Hello, listeners. Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. This is a podcast where we focus on biohacking that is accessible and affordable for everybody. So I'm currently recording this from Australia. I leave tomorrow to go to Bali, which is really exciting. And then I'm off to Singapore after that before heading back home to Canada. If anybody is in those areas, Indonesia, Singapore, let me know if you'd like to meet up. I'm actually meeting a few people and we're doing some yoga and some cool things. Let me know. I'd love to meet you if you want to do yoga with me and some other people or get coffee or chill, whatever you want. I'm into it. Today on the podcast, we have Cami Petten. She is a famous YouTuber. Her YouTube channel is called Supreme Banana. And she is all about mental health and spirituality and healing trauma. And that's kind of what we get into today is her story and how she came through it using different modalities to heal and healing different traumas. She was in an in a abusive relationship at one point. She also had an eating disorder and just like some really sensitive topics. If you are experiencing anything that is kind of similar to that or curious about how to get through something like that, we definitely dive deep into that and explore different things. We also talk a lot about ayahuasca and her experience with going down to Rhythmia in Costa Rica and cold therapy and intuitive eating versus restrictive eating and kind of the movement that we're seeing now in culture towards that, which is really exciting because it kind of moves away from diet culture and more to how you're feeling inside your body and what you think you should be eating rather than someone else telling you what to eat. Yeah, so that's our episode for today. Let me know what you think. It is going to be a good one. She is full of lots of fun facts and knowledge and just like a lot of personal health experience. It's definitely a good one to listen to. Shoot me a message if you want to chat further or you have an idea for a podcast guest. I've actually gotten quite a few emails lately about people wanting to come on. Just a heads up, I'm not recording anybody new until I get back in Canada and I'm settled. So that'll be in a couple weeks because I have quite a few already recorded and also I'm traveling too much to really coordinate time schedules right now because I'm so opposite of everybody in North America. I hope you enjoy this one. Let me know what you think. I know that you have been through quite a lot mental health wise, like anxiety and depression. You've dealt with like specific, you know, traumas and things that have happened in your past. So I was wondering if you could like dive into that for us and just talk about how you kind of pulled yourself out of that. Yeah, sure. Well, as for mental health, anxiety has been something that I've dealt with my whole life, although I didn't realize it was anxiety until I got older. Also with depression, I would say anxiety was much more prevalent, but depression was something that kind of just weaved in and out of my life during different periods. And depression actually reached its peak, would you say, or like came down the hardest, I think when I was 20 years old. And it was after I had finally gotten out of an abusive relationship, which was probably one of my largest traumas that I've dealt with. It was a three and a half year long relationship with a very manipulative and emotionally, sexually abusive person. So after I got out of that, finally, I just didn't know what to do with myself. I had been dealing with like Stockholm syndrome and gaslighting and just my brain didn't know how to just 
cope afterwards. So I just fell into a really deep depression, which a lot of the times just cohabitat, cohabit, what's that word? It lives with anxiety a lot of the times. So I was anxious, I was depressed, and I, it was a really, really rough time. And to be honest, during that period, I did not deal with it well. I was trying to self-medicate, which meant drinking quite a lot and just doing unhealthy things for my body until finally I had this realization or rather, I think I just hit a really low day and I realized like I need help. So I finally looked up online like therapists in my area. I found a therapist and I actually went to a couple different meetings with therapists because the first few just I did not like. But finally, I found one which I really felt comfortable with. And she helped me walk through like the stages of getting out of depression and getting out of like suicidal idealization. And she was a huge factor to, I say, the reason why I'm alive today because I was just so, so deeply depressed. I worked with her for about eight months and it just helped dramatically. And I originally was put on antidepressants, which I've always been against my whole life. I was raised in a more like holistic, natural setting. My mom is always against prescription drugs. So it was like a huge deal for me. But it was probably the reason I did not kill myself because I finally was able to feel not depressed and numb. But being against prescription drugs or rather just not wanting to be just dependent on them. I took my time on them, which I needed. And then once I felt better, which I genuinely knew I was better, I slowly got off of them. And once I got off of them, I started to get into my journey of spirituality. And I really think the fact that I got into spirituality is the reason that I have not had to go back to antidepressants. I haven't had to go back to therapy. And it has been, I think, two years. And I am the happiest I've ever been. And when I say I've gotten into spirituality, it started by just starting up kundalini yoga, which kind of started this domino effect of getting into meditation and looking into law of attraction and then, you know, wanting to get more into like prayer. And just it started this huge spiral in a good way, in a positive way of the spiral into spirituality. And now I say spirituality is one of like the most important things in my day to day. I make sure to meditate every day, sometimes twice a day. And as we talked about, like more like biohacking stuff, because it kind of just domino effects into other things. Sorry, that was a really, really long winded answer. (laughs) No, that's great. So for people who are kind of been through maybe something similar or some other hardship and are kind of dabbling with spirituality right now, where would mm-hmm. you say they start? And like, what, like, what does a day look like for you that has spirituality throughout it? Yeah. I always say when I get this question that let your curiosity lead you. Cause for me, I actually let my curiosity lead me. And I was just super curious about this little yoga studio that was near my house, but I've always thought I hated yoga. I was one of those people that was like, if I'm not going to sweat and burn a bunch of calories, why would I waste my time doing it? But I was super curious about it. So I went after it and Kundalini yoga literally was the trigger for like stimulating my whole journey of spirituality. So I would say to anyone who has that question that if you have any kind of curiosity in the realm of spirituality or anything in life, chase it. What's the risk? You know, like you don't like it, you never have to do it again, or you love it and it starts a a whole change in your life. Or you could be like me and start with Kundalini yoga. It's an awesome, awesome practice. And as for my day to day and spirituality, well, I think something that's the most 
impactful in my life is meditation, which I used to, again, hate meditation. I used to just be really rejected a lot of spiritual practices in the past because I just wasn't educated on them. But now that I finally have learned to meditate and realize that it is hard for everyone, it's just a practice. You know, you just, you take it day by day. It has been huge in not only allowing me to calm down and center myself, but also get to know myself and my brain and how I think. It has been absolutely revolutionary and I recommend meditation to everyone. And then I also like the act of prayer, which I guess has a strong connotation with like religion, but rather just like giving thanks to nature and Mother Earth and whatever's out there and just really taking time out of my day to genuinely feel the gratitude for being alive and anything that I want to give thanks for to whatever is out there. And I think that just kind of intertwines into everything that I do in life, or at least I try. I'm not perfect, but yeah. Yeah, I am definitely so similar. I find with meditation and yoga, I'm very on and off and Mm -hmm. I almost like get bored with it. And it's the same thing. I'm like, I'm not sweating. I'm not doing a big enough workout or like meditation's too calm. It's wasting my time. Like I could be doing other things. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm just like binge watching Netflix. Like great. (laughs) So do you have any tips on like how to actually continue and like stick to a meditation practice? Yes. I kind of briefly mentioned this. The thing that helped me the most, it was kind of, it was just a realization that it is hard for everyone. Cause I remember when I was starting out, like I would have like a few good days, but for the most part, it was so hard. And I was like, crap, I'm not progressing. Maybe this just isn't for me. But I realized that unless you're like a super, super monk, like everyone has those off days and the mind is unpredictable. You know, that's why we meditate to figure it out. So just know that it is hard for everyone. But that being said, going through the toughness is 100% worth it and you will get the reward out of it because you'll have some hard times, but then you'll learn how to get through it. And that actually trickles into your day to day because when you're having a stressful day or you're upset, then you tap back into that realization of how to calm your mind and with your breath and everything. And also start small, you know, like you don't have to do it for an hour a day. Start with five minutes. I used to not believe that. I was like, no, I need to go all or nothing. But it really helps even to even take three consecutive breaths just really deeply and just like trying to clear your mind or even just observing it. So yeah, I would recommend starting small. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Now I know you also have dabbled with like fasting and you've mentioned that fasting has helped your mental health. So what type of fasting are you doing currently? I actually do intermittent fasting. I would say I've been doing it on and off, predominantly on for about two years. And I just heard about it because it's supposed to help with like your brain function. I do a lot of creative work. So I'm always trying to make sure my brain is like as clear as possible. But I found that the more I do it, the better I actually feel, not only physically, but mentally, which also just connects to each other. Because if you feel good physically, you feel good mentally. Well, you feel better mentally at least. But it also just allows me to have a much more clear mind. And I find that on days that I don't do it, I feel a little more cloudy. That's not to say I don't like slip up. And if I'm going out with friends, like I'll just won't intermittent fast. But yeah, I, I don't even really have a full explanation why, but it just does make me feel a lot better. So are you doing like no calorie fast as in just like water, coffee, tea in the morning type of thing? Or what does it actually look like? Yes. So I normally stop eating around like eight or nine the night before. And then I do not eat until 12 or like one the next day. And 
in between that time of fasting, I'll only have like water or coffee or tea. So it is a no calorie fast. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've done similar things like that. I, I'm the same way though. Like I don't do it every day just because I find it can almost be a bit too much, especially on weekends. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to... Oh yeah. Weekends are definitely... Yeah. And also just like being too restrictive like that anyway, just doesn't really work for females in general. It can kind of like have some negative effects on your hormones. So you have to be careful. Do you ever yeah. do um, like longer fasts, like 24 hour, 48, like weekend fasts that where you just like fully take time off from eating? You know, I wish I've tried them before just because I am very curious to see how they would feel. But I do come from a past of an eating disorder. So I like to be very careful about when it does come to restricting or fasting. I like to just do it intuitively. And anytime that I've tried to fast for longer, I feel like I'm intentionally restricting and like I just want to eat so bad and I just don't feel like it's mentally healthy for me. I could probably do it, but I just don't want to put myself in that position. Like for example, when I intermittent fast, like it just comes naturally to me now. I don't get hungry around until noon anyways, but no, I haven't tried any longer fasts. Yeah, that's hard. It's hard to dabble between the line of like fasting and being healthy, especially if you- yeah you know, had an eating disorder in your past. So was part of your healing for your eating disorder, like similar things that you used when you healed the past relationship that you had? Actually, in a way, I suppose, but I healed from my eating disorder much beforehand. I would say probably a year beforehand, I went to a therapy and like dealt with really a lot with depression. And actually the thing that helped me with my eating disorder is probably not going to be relative to a lot of people because it's so strange. But I realized one day that I just couldn't live anymore dealing with an eating disorder. So the next day I put a video on my YouTube channel, finally confessing about it. And I hadn't told anyone about it for about three and a half years, like not a single soul. So finally just like letting it out to the whole freaking world, it felt like I finally just got rid of it. And not to mention, I had all these people looking at me now and all these girls in a way looking up to me. I was just held accountable to actually keep up with not going back. And from that day forward, I never went back. That's not to say it was easy, but just I made the decision. And going vegan helped me a lot too because it made me feel freaking amazing. Wow, that's amazing. So those thoughts that you had surrounding food back then, you no longer have those at all? No, and I mean, it's been a while. I think it's been three, four years since that happened, maybe even five. But when I first decided like I was done with this, the thoughts were definitely still there. And it was just a day-to-day battle of like, saying no to them and forcing forward. And every day I just got closer and closer to feeling like I was finally released or free. But now I like love food. I have a very healthy relationship for f- with food. Some days I even just like have a moment where I'm just so grateful that I can finally eat normally and eat whatever I want without feeling like I need to binge or feeling like a loser, you know, which are all just delusional thoughts. But yeah, now I feel amazing and have a great relationship with food. Good. So you're still a practicing vegan then? Yes. Yeah. I've been vegan for almost five years. Wow. And was the decision for that based on your mental and like body health or was there like other factors going into that? I wish I could say it was that great of a reason, but when I first went vegan, I was actually still struggling with my eating disorder. So I was bouncing from diet to diet, trying to see what would make me lose the most weight. And I just 
tried out veganism and it was the first diet that I had tried that actually made me feel amazing. So I just kept up with it and eventually it helped me heal myself and everything. But unfortunately, my original reason was pretty shallow, but I've gained other reasons along the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes total sense. So now like with having such a healthy relationship with food and with your background, how do you navigate healthy food choices now, but make sure that you're not going back into the old way of thinking? What's really, really important to me is balance and intuitive eating. Like I have had periods where I tried to eat very, very healthy and like just avoid junk food at all costs and like maybe no oil or this or that, which in itself is a form of restriction. And I feel that I don't work well when I have to restrict myself like fully over something, but I find that I feel the best and think the best when I allow myself to have junk food or have fast food when I want it. That's not to say if I crave it every day, then that's the intuitive way to approach that is to see what I'm lacking, like vitamin or mineral, because you shouldn't be craving junk food every single day unless you're incredibly addicted. Then that's a whole nother ball game. But yeah, just listening to my body and giving myself enough food too. Like don't try to like count my calories anymore or eat small meals or anything, like eat enough until I'm full. And yeah. That's awesome. No, I know. I, I really, really like that. It's it's something that I've struggled with as well. Similar mm-hmm. is almost like being too healthy and too yep. focused on, you know, the health food, the, the vitamins, the minerals, all of these things. And sometimes you need to take a step back and just really listen to your intuition and what your body actually wants to eat. And absolutely. Yeah. Not a lot of people actually know how to do that. Like being in tune with how you're feeling and what your body is saying is not an easy thing. Yeah, absolutely. It takes practice. Yeah. And a lot of people actually, even if they are aware of it, they just ignore their intuition and what they're feeling. So, and then I know you've played around with cold therapy as well. So I'd love for you to dive into that. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually something new that I've implemented into my life, which I freaking love and hate. (laughs) But as for cold therapy, what I do is cold showers in the morning. And my dad actually introduced this to me. He doesn't even know what biohacking is, but he does cold showers, which is just ironic. And he told me how great it is and it's great for your immune system. It lowers stress and overall just makes you feel great after you get out of the shower. So I was very resistant for a really long time because who the hell would want to be in a cold shower? But I finally tried it and realized how great you feel afterwards. You feel just like refreshed and just calm. And I like to do it in the in the morning because it helps me actually wake up. And afterwards, when I finish the cold shower, I feel like I've just fully woken up. It's an essential part of my morning routine. And what it looks like is I just take a regular warm shower. And then at the end, I put it as cold as it can go. And I force myself to stay in there for at least a couple minutes. I've only been doing this for a couple months, so I'm working towards doing it longer. But it's not the best feeling experience. But afterwards, you feel great. Yeah. I find the same thing. Like afterwards you feel so awake and energized. It's such a good morning practice. So I know you recently went to ayahuasca or did ayahuasca at Rhythmia in Costa Rica. So for everybody who has no idea what ayahuasca is, how would you explain it? Okay, so ayahuasca is a combination of two plants from the Amazon, and when they are put together and brewed together, they are a hallucinogen, meaning that they make you trip, kind of like acid or shrooms, but like five times more intense. But the thing is, is ayahuasca isn't used 
in any way recreationally. I mean, maybe it is at some points. I really hope not. But it is used as a medicine because what ayahuasca is known for is it brings out your traumas and your fears and anything that you need to work through like in your subconscious and brings it out in front of you and makes you work through it, which sounds like a really scary, stressful experience, which it is, but it's also incredibly beautiful because this is how I explain it. It is 10 years of therapy put into four days or however many days that you do ayahuasca. It has been the most therapeutic, transformational experience of my life. Wow. So did anything surprising come up for you that you just like were not expecting? I would say everything. (laughs) The whole experience was, I could not even just blew me out of the ballpark. Absolutely no expectations met what my experience was. But there was actually some things that I didn't even realize I was carrying around with me, like baggage and things in my subconscious. Like my grandmother had passed away, I think seven years ago. And I was always really guilty for her death because I was young and I wasn't able to like fully tell her goodbye and I love you and all that kind of stuff. But I never really thought about it after it happened. But when I did ayahuasca, I had it come up really, really deeply. And I was just like crying and realizing how guilty I've always been all these seven years. And I finally was able to just get rid of it, like work through it, along with like my abusive ex-boyfriend. I thought I had like completely gotten over it, but there was still a little part of me that needed to forgive him. And I was able to during my experience, along with like stuff with my father and even there, even beyond like actually forgiveness or like human emotions. There was an experience where I had experienced death. (laughs) Like I had experienced my own death. That's how intense these experiences are. And just experiencing that was really shocking and surprising, but it was really important for me because it was like an ego death and finally realizing who I really am or who all of us are. And that is just nothingness basically or everything however you want to view it instead of all these identities that we attach to ourselves but yeah it was very very intense and surprising wow yeah i've heard very similar accounts to that so how do you kind of take what you've learned and seen in costa rica and then bring it back to your life in la and incorporate it and you know like actually grow from it yeah and that's actually the hardest part, I would say. They said in the retreat center that I went to that like 60% of the work is actually doing the ayahuasca, while 40% is the integration. I think it's more 50-50 because you actually have to implement what you've learned. And of course, some things will just naturally implement. Like forgiveness is not something you really have to like work on afterwards once you forgive. There was also like Before I went, I had struggled with alcohol. I had constant cravings for alcohol and it just was something I had just struggled with for a really long time. And once I, after I did ayahuasca, I just had no cravings, no desire to drink whatsoever. And that carried on when I came home. But also if there was any kind of peer pressure or any kind of instance where like I felt like I should drink for like social reasons and it it was implementing like, hey, you don't have to, you can actually get through this. It was also really important to continue a spiritual practice like meditation. It really kickstarted my just love for meditation. I knew how important it was to just have a moment of my day to sit down with my own mind. And it's also just taking it day by day because a lot of the lessons show up gradually. Like some of it will show up 
after your night or during your night. But then sometimes it's like weeks afterwards you realize, oh, that's what this vision meant or this or that. So it's just being open to receiving and open to change also. Right. And before you did ayahuasca, had you done acid or shrooms? Like had you tripped before? Yeah, I actually, I, I, I dabbled in psychedelics quite a lot, but it was when I was younger and I was just stupid and didn't do them in a spiritual or therapeutic way. It was more like, eh, let's go trip out. So this experience really showed me the beauty of psychedelics and how therapeutic they can be. And I never want to do them without respecting them in that way ever again. Right. So would you do ayahuasca again, do you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's not something that I would do frequently, but I always say that you don't seek out ayahuasca. She seeks out you. So like anytime I feel the call that I should go back, like I will definitely go back. And do you think it's possible to kind of get some of the benefits that you got in another way? If like, cause a lot of people don't, you know, have the money yeah, to go to ayahuasca or like access. So like, what would you say for that? Absolutely. I've talked about ayahuasca and my experience online quite a bit. And something that I really wanted to hammer in was that psychedelics and ayahuasca are a way, an incredible way to heal yourself, but they are not the way. There's so many different ways, whether it's traditional therapy or it's meditation or it's yoga or it's changing your diet. And of course, these things sound much smaller in the sense compared to ayahuasca, but they can have the same kind of benefits and effects if you give it time and effort and, you know, just dedicate yourself to it. And every body is different. Everyone is going to heal in different ways. But things that have helped me heal along with ayahuasca is like meditation, therapy, changing up the way I live day to day. Gratitude has been freaking huge. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways. Yeah. It's honestly so tied into biohacking. Of like, uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So biohacking your, your mind, including spirituality and, and using your body as well. So gratitude is a big practice as well. Like I try and practice gratitude every day, but it's, it's so similar to the meditation thing where it's easy to forget to do it. But then when you start doing it again, it feels really good. And you're like, why did I stop doing this? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what does your gratitude practice look like right now? And just just touching on what you just said, at first my gratitude practice felt super forced. I think I heard about it on like an Oprah podcast. I was like, okay, Oprah, like... I'll try your woo-woo practice, whatever, like a thank you universe. So I kind of forced myself to do it at first. And gradually, like I'd have those moments of like, wait, this, this feels really good and is starting like to alter the way I think. And I just kept it up, kept it up, kept it up to now to this day or now this day. I, it, it's just natural for me. I'm driving down the street and just like looking at the trees and I just find myself thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to be alive. And I know that in itself sounds like some like spiritual hippie jargon, (laughs) but seriously, it happens just on its own because with any practice, you're going to grow through it and adapt to it and it really changes your mind. So to anyone that wants to implement gratitude, just know that it might feel forced at first, but just keep it up. It's really just life-changing, honestly. Yeah, there's a couple things with gratitude I found. Like one, whenever I'm frustrated or angry, mm-hmm. if you force yourself to be grateful, you cannot feel both emotions at the same time. Yes. So it literally great. diminishes it right away. And like it's almost just like a reality check. And you're like, okay, cool. Like I have so much going for me. And it, it just brings you back down when you're really feeling like heightened emotions. 
Yes. Like if I'm like upset or anything, like just looking outside and be like, wow, we live on an earth with like beautiful flowers and trees and we can breathe the oxygen. Like I'm just thankful to be alive and then go from there. Yeah, exactly. And then I also do something I call like moment of gratitude, a moment of Mm -hmm. gratitude right before I have dinner. And I try and do it like with the people I'm with as well. So I kind of call it like the millennial version of saying grace before dinner. (laughs) And everyone like out loud goes around the table and says what they're thankful for that day. And it makes you super present. It makes you super grateful. And it also pauses before you eat, which is a really healthy thing to do as well. Mm -hmm. And so like, there are ways to bring in gratitude that are kind of like rituals and habits. That's a really good one. I like that a lot. Not to mention you're affecting your life and the people around you. Yeah. And like, it's so funny when I do it with people for the first time, they think it's so weird, but then afterwards (laughs) everyone feels so happy and positive and it's a great experience. So it's a little woo-woo, but it feels great. <laughs> yeah, the woo-woo stuff is great, though. Once you like move past the barrier of resistance, it's like, oh, wait, this is why they talk about it, because it works. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, every day I feel like I get more and more woo-woo. <laughs> Same, absolutely, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was awesome to talk to you. I feel like I connected with you so easily, and you're so easy to talk to in general. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So where can people connect with you after this? I have a YouTube channel. The name is a little silly. It's called Supreme Banana. Or you can go to my Instagram, which is Cami C-A-M-I dot Petin, P-E-T-Y-N. And yeah, I'm pretty active on both of those. Perfect. Okay, thanks so much. Uh-huh, thank you. Have a good day. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was so fun talking to Cami. She's been through so much and has used so many different modalities to heal. It's really inspiring listening to her. All of her links and information will be in the show notes. And her YouTube channel is Supreme Banana. And it's actually worth checking out. She has so much on there, she, like just so much content. I went through it a while ago. She does a whole little mini series on ayahuasca. She does a series on mental health and what she's been through and just and eating disorders and nutrition and veganism and all of these things. So it's amazing. There's a lot of content there for you. So definitely, definitely check her out. She's amazing. Love her. So thankful that she came on the podcast. It was really nice talking to her. Yeah, next week I have a, a author and doctor on and we connected a while ago and he is one of the authors for the Biohackers handbook, which I am looking at right now next to my bed. Now this book is unbelievable. It's huge. And I'm literally taking it around the world with me as I travel. And it's so heavy. It's like two and a half kilograms. And it's just in my carry on luggage. But it's amazing. There's so many tips in there. And it just basically breaks down biohacking to such a important level of detail so that you can understand it. And the illustrations are amazing and everything in it is really it's like a textbook. It's honestly a textbook. So he's coming on the podcast and we talk about all sorts of things. And it's, it's one of those episodes where it really helps lay the foundation for what biohacking is because it's still not even close to being mainstream or not even close to everyone understanding what it is. He really dives into that. And his book, he's one of three authors for the book, talks about that too. And, and, and it's amazing. They actually have a second book coming out next year, which is exciting as well. 
Let me know what you think of this episode. I'd love to connect with you. And if you have any ideas for shows or guests that you would love on, thanks so much and tune in next week. 